Hello, magical money makers, and welcome to the EPOP podcast, episode seven of season one. And season one's theme is our journey to short-term rental success. Today's episode is called Renovations. I, I guess it could Ooh, be. It could be either. It, it could be this. We'll it talk really about it. It could be. It could be. Ah, that's a lot of clapping. The average length of stay worldwide in an Airbnb is. I take a guess. This is one of the simpler questions I've asked. So and we forgot this old city's name. See your breath on window pane. Let's just talk till it strikes again. On my way through, I saw you on my way. All right. Average length of stay in an Airbnb worldwide is... My guess is three nights. No decimals. Just straight three. <laughs> well, I guess there's I, a well, decimal I, now. There, there is. I'll that. give you a hint. I mean, there's a decimal. Okay. 3.4. Mm, if you flip it, you got it right. Ah, 4.3. The average length of stay... Worldwide is 4.3, which I actually thought also was a little high. But then I guess... People I, stay for um, 30 days. Yeah, or, mm-hmm. I mean, we had people in our Airbnbs when COVID hit in Philly that were booking through Airbnb and staying for two or three months. So I guess, yeah, I was thinking, oh, probably a weekend, but it's a little longer because then people are, some people are staying longer. But now that I do think about it, those long stays are really going to help push that further because no one's staying. I mean, there might be a few one night stays here and there, but we can, we're going to talk about that. I think even in uh, our last episode, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say last actually guys, I, we have an announcement. Should I hit the drum? I, no, mean, I, I mean, sure. What, what's this announcement? All right. All right. So you know that we're doing the new seasons and we focus on a topic for each season. And uh, this season we're doing short-term rentals and we had planned to have eight episodes. This is episode seven. So we'll give you the breakdown of the episodes if you haven't listened to all of them real quick. So Heth, go ahead. Episode one was our journey into the world of short-term rentals. Episode two is how to find your first short-term rental. Episode three, the difference between middle of the road and magical listings. Which a lot of you have given us a lot of feedback on and have (laughs) loved that episode, so thank you. Episode four, to manage or not to manage, that is the question. Episode five. Nerds unite. (laughs) One of Trav's favorites, numbers and stats. Episode six, why we sold all of our Philly properties and pivoted. And now the current episode, which is number seven, renovations. And episode eight, which will be our biggest lessons learned and and mistakes to avoid. But because we have been getting so much phenomenal feedback, not just from episode three, the difference between middle of the road magical, but you guys have really, uh, we have felt the love sending it on Instagram via email, all the, all the different ways that you get a hold of us. People, uh, you know, even just posting on Instagram when we put up that a new episode is out. Um, you all have really, really enjoyed the short-term rental season. And so what we're going to do is at least two bonus episodes. Oh, at least. I thought it was at least one, but now you're promising two. Well, okay. 
But it, it all comes down to our listeners because we only will do the amount of extra bonus episodes as per your request or questions for the matter because we are actually going to, on Instagram, in the next week to two weeks, be putting out some Ask Us Anything sticker questions. So if you have an additional questions about short-term rentals or about our experience, anything to do with this season, you can put those on Instagram and then we will put them all you know, in a list and we will record extra episodes answering those questions. Right. So um, I just assumed because last time we did this, uh, the ask us anythings, we, I forget, we did, a, we did four episodes about it. Five. Yeah, I, we it did was a during lot. COVID when we were doing our quarantine diaries. Yeah. And so I don't even remember what all of them were about since it was about two years ago now, but I just assumed that there would be a lot of questions based on the interaction that you all have had with us so far. So we'll, we'll probably do, we'll at least do one, um, with your questions, but my guess is maybe two, maybe three. I am also trying to wrangle a few friends and even some big names in the short-term rental world onto doing a little, a uh, few, maybe a guest episode or two. Um, so we, there might be a <laughs> there plethora might be more for of you. bonus episodes, um, for you, but we definitely want to get to the ones that, with the questions that you have, because when we sketched out the season, we wanted to talk about our journey. We kind of went through all the things that we wanted to include, but we know there's other things that people um, have been asking us about. So get your questions in and we will certainly do some bonus episodes about that. Hooray. Hooray. More short-term rental stuff. And if you don't like it, it's weird that you're listening to this episode. So uh, have we said beginning, this is about renovations. We didn't even try to come mm -hmm. up with a cool title or any alliteration like remarkable renovations or anything like that. It's just renovations. Yeah. It's, you know, a practical and necessary thing and, you know, you can have fun with it, but there's a lot that goes into renovating it and having a successful experience with it. And in the past, we haven't had too many properties that needed any renovation. All of our properties that we bought in Philadelphia were all turnkey, which means you can just buy them and either buy them furnished and they're ready to go or buy them renovated and furnish them and then they're ready to go. Yeah. So, and I think that's an important distinction. When I, when I think turnkey, I always think like, oh my gosh, I'm buying them because uh, I have friends of mine who have done this. We haven't done it ourselves, have bought places that are furnished and have either been rentals or sometimes even short-term rentals before. And that is truly turnkey. It's almost like new owner comes in. You don't have to change anything. Um, we haven't done that. But as you mentioned, no major renovations for anything we had to do where we just had to come in. And when I say just, I don't mean just because we have gotten into this a little bit. But we had to stage and furnish them, which, which does take some time. Um, but with the cottages here, this is the first time that we have really had like we have actually had to come in and make major renovations. And so, uh, you know, you're going to head this episode up and lead this episode because you are the one leading the projects with the renovations of the cottages. But the first thing I think people have to th have to think about is, and the first consideration is, do you want to buy one that needs renovating or not? And, uh, you know, we didn't want to in the beginning. And now we have done some with renovations. I don't know if we want to in the future. I think so. There's just, they're different types of projects. And it also depends on your season of life, really, because when we were buying our properties in Philadelphia, we had a lot of other stuff going on. We were starting our family, so we didn't necessarily have 
the time or mental capacity to think about renovations. At least that was the case for us, not for everyone. And then now that our kids are, you know, a little older, we felt like, okay, we can tackle. Now that they're self-sufficient at four and two. Sure. Um, We felt like we could tackle a whole renovation. Plus the kind of the more you do it and in our case, especially the more we have an idea of what we want. And so if you buy something already done, you're like, oh, well, I don't really like that kitchen. I don't really like that bathroom, but it's just a rental. So who cares? But the more you get into it, you're like, oh, well, this would be really cool if we did this feature or we did that. And so because of the, our personality type and our interest, we thought, okay, renovating something would be cool because then everything we do is exactly what we thought up in our mind. And since we're starting from scratch, we can kind of make that a reality. Yeah. And one of my goals is to really start from scratch and build from the ground up <laughs> at some point, which is just the, the next level. But it, it's something to consider how much work you want to put into it, what personality type you are, as you mentioned, Heather, where we like being creative. We have really dove into this idea uh, that we've talked about in other episodes of honing in on who your avatar is and making it exactly for them. And that is easier to do if you are renovating or building from scratch because you you have a blank slate. Obviously, the cons to it are it's going to take longer, it's going to take more money, it's going to be more headaches, it's going to be more work. So just things to consider. If you go the route of renovating and now really handing this off to Heather, I'm just, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I've been through this as well, but you have been the one on the ground really diving into these renovations. But if you do decide to renovate, there's, there's two ways to kind of go about it. Right. And so the first way is to DIY, do it yourself. And that is not for the faint of heart. And it requires a lot of skill, which Travis and I don't really have. Uh, we have done some smaller DIY projects just even at our personal home. And it's tough and it's not really in our wheelhouse. So Hanging we, blinds and hanging curtains oh, may be the death of me. Yeah. So um, we do not DIY. But there's a lot of people out there who love it, enjoy it. And also for them, the savings they could have by doing it themselves, you know, far outweighs um, the headaches or the time that it takes. So if that's for you, amazing. We're not really going to talk about DIY much here because it's not our experience. I think if it's for you, you, <laughs> you know, know it's yeah. for you. And if you, it's not for you, you definitely know it's not right. for you. So then the other option is the second option to hire a contractor. So that is what we have done. And I just want to say that even with the, the DIY option, that even if you do a band-aid renovation, which we've done or can do, you know, that's easier if you just, oh, you want to paint or you want to throw up a couple smaller things that are not renovating a whole kitchen or a bathroom and doing plumbing and electric and all of that. I mean, that's something that's easy and entry level. Um, but we got to the point where we were even hiring out painting because we didn't, we had other use for our time. And we're like, well, if we paint, then we're using that time. So, you know, we hire handymen now to hang those blinds and to hang the pictures on the walls, to find a stud, because those were the things that really frustrated us and that we just weren't good at. And no matter how often we did it, it just, it was a negative for us. And we wanted to keep yep. the experience as a positive so that we would continue on with it. It always so, seemed to take a lot more time than, than we thought. And again, if you get a professional to do it, or if you are a professional, I think you make a good point here. Band-Aid renovations it can be in someone's wheelhouse even if they don't want to do a full renovation. And by that, you mean essentially paint, yeah. hanging pictures, new blinds, new curtains, new furniture, maybe new light, light fixtures, fixtures, new ceiling fans. Ceiling fans, though, can be a bit of a pain. Yeah, I, We've done a few of those, and yeah, they... 
talk about something taking longer. And then I see one of our handymen, Jimmy, put it up. He's like, 45 minutes, less than an hour. That just took me five hours last time I did it. (laughs) Okay, this is well worth my time to hire this out. This is a real life experience that we went through five hours of Trav's time versus one hour of the handyman's time. So Yes. Yes. Just kind of know your strengths, know your weaknesses and know when to hire it out. So that being said, in this episode, we are going to be talking about hiring it out and getting a contractor, or if it's a smaller renovation, you can get, you know, a handyman or painters and kind of just manage it and GC it, general contract it yourself in a way. Um, Or if it's a much larger renovation, you need to hire a higher level professional. And so that's what you have to do. The first step is to figure out the scope of renovations. And you want to factor that in before you even purchase your property because you have to know what's going to be involved after you own it. And come up with a realistic budget. This is a very difficult thing. This is one (laughs) of the reasons I stepped away from being uh, semi in charge of the renovations for the cottages was that we came up with a budget. We, We now know that it wasn't realistic based on the things that we had to do for for them. So you you might not always know the full scope of the work that you have to do. For example, we took out the floors and realized there was no foundation for one of the cottages. Okay, not something that you can really figure out beforehand exactly, but um you know, you at least want to give yourself a ballpark and then what I would recommend from the numbers perspective is, you know, everyone always says add 20 or 30% on top of that and build that into your price when you're looking to purchase a short-term rental because again that's that all has to be wrapped up because that has to get paid and in fact I know you have this on here of how you're going to pay for the for the renovation there are times that you can wrap that into a mortgage loan again we're not professionals with this but there are ways to if you're going to rehab a property and we didn't know about this when we were doing this you you can essentially get a mortgage that you then wrap you wrap the construction or, or the renovation costs into that and then they come and appraise it afterwards because they know you're fixing it. We didn't do that. Um, and again, that's something that we're kind of relatively new to. Uh, would have been nice to know ahead of time. <laughs> but it, we just you know, bought the property, got it appraised, and then as we're renovating it, are paying out of pocket, which, uh, you know, again, if it goes over by a decent amount, then it, it becomes tough if you only have a certain amount of money to play with. Um, so you might want to look into before you buy uh, those options to kind of roll it into the mortgage and get it appraised afterwards and go that way because it could it could help you do things that you wouldn't be able to normally do. Right. So that's why it's really important to figure out the scope of the renovation first, which means you have to decide, are you doing a full gut renovation, meaning taking things down to the studs, um, starting from scratch? In our one cottage, we had to do that with at least two of them so far where we needed to put in new electric, we needed to put in new plumbing and one, we need a whole new foundation and subfloor. So those are full gut renovations. Some can just be kitchens and baths. You know, you also have to think about exterior and interior. So if you need new paint or you want to landscape, there's a lot of things that go into it. So just kind of wrap your head around the full scope of everything. And then as Trav mentioned how you'll be paying for it, whether it's included in your loan, whether you're paying cash. I don't really know what other options <laughs> there are. I mean, you can, uh, I guess you can, you can get loans on other like extra loans that aren't right. wrapped into your mortgage, like a, right. a renovation or loan or refinancing your home or something like yeah, that. Home equity I mean, line of credit. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff you can do. Yeah. So in our case with our cottages, what we did, we, we bought them in May 
end of May, knowing that we were going to be selling our properties in Philly and so that we would have the cash from those sales to bankroll of this renovation. Um, and that's something, you know, that we decided on before because we knew that these cottages would, would cause us to need a lot of cash <laughs> to renovate. In fact, that was something that was hard to kind of figure out what it was. And that's another way of having an idea of what it will cost based on what is needed. Now, if you're not familiar with renovations, that will be hard, right? So you have to ask around to other people that you know who have renovated large properties or small properties, depending on what your short-term rental is. And um, you can get actual quotes from contractors, but that doesn't really come until after you buy and they come and see it and give you a quote. So for us, you know, we had some friends in the area who have done you know, extensive renovation. So we, we asked them and they gave us what they thought. And then Travis was like, okay, I'm going to do it for like 25% less, which is clearly not turning out to be the case oh, because okay. it just wasn't feasible. <laughs> but, um, yeah, usually I'm a dreamer. Yeah, you are a dreamer. But, um, he also, Trav also got that number stuck in his head when we started. And so when it was clearly going to be over that, you know, that caused some anxiety for him in the beginning when it was like, okay, uh, well, not, hold on. Not just the beginning. <laughs> okay. I just have uh, yeah. tempered the anxiety yeah, sure. and pulled myself away from this. But situation. it has, this is the point. It has to be a realistic number of some sort. Yes, it does. And the, the best way is to get a professional who you know to, to help you again, walk through before buying, because if you think it's going to cost 50 K and it costs 200 K, well, uh, uh-oh. Yeah. Um, one other thing to consider, and then have I want you, you're going to go into this, how to find the right contractor. Another thing to consider is time. You're always going to think, I mean, this is what they say with renovations or building or anything. You're always going to think it's cheaper and you're always think it's going to think it's, it's going to go faster and it's always going to go over budget and take longer. So that's another thing to build into your calculations because if you think, oh, it's only going to take um, two months to renovate and uh, then we're going to be ready for the high season because that starts in three months, uh, be, be careful. Like, you know, one of the, good parts about getting these cottages when we got them was that high season we because we bought them in august the downside is we have to wait until like may to start hitting high season again so we have to carry them for that length of time the the positive part of that is that if renovations go longer you know we're still going i mean fingers crossed i guess <laughs> we're still going to have all four of them renovated by the time that people start by the time high season starts, but really by the time people start looking to book high season, which let's say that's February, really March. February, March, they're looking to book in May, June, July, August. So if you are in a seasonal place, you know, when you buy can be really important because you, you certainly want them to be finished by your money making time. And if you think you can get in and out in a month or two and it's going to take four or five months, you you might miss that that window. Yeah. So be careful there. Be very strategic. And also, you know, this is a part of the numbers episode to make sure that if you are buying it, like Trav said, not in high season, you have to carry that mortgage for all of those months. So make sure that you have the money for that because it'll go quickly depending oh, on man. It is how like, large the mortgage is. And it's then, just a massive funnel pulling yes. money out of your account until waiting for it to come back in. Yeah. I, the other thing Heth, that I think people um, should consider that with, with like doing renovations and things like that is if, if it doesn't have to be extensive renovations, like you can sometimes with, with the one pro with the two cottages that we couldn't, but with the other two, we were able to, you can also rent them unrenovated, you know, even if it's not ideal and what you want it to be, there are ways, you know, to do it piecemeal or to rent it un 
rent it unrenovated, you know, if you're coming into high season, you're like, well, let me just get my money out of this, you know, so that, and that can then cash flow the renovations. The other thing to consider is like, it is a long-term game. I mean, we're talking about, you don't want to miss a high season. You certainly don't, but at least our goal with these properties is to always keep them for 10, 15, 20 years. Now, ha ha ha, like we didn't do that with the Philly ones at all. And we talked about that in the last episode, but if you do keep the long-term goal in mind, it, it, for me, alleviates some of the anxiety because you're like, all right, fine. Like this is going to pay off in the long run. You will make it up. And that's the beauty of having a short-term rental is, you know, this is not your personal home that you are just seeing all this money go out, but not seeing any return. When it's a short-term rental, just keep in mind that even though it might feel scary or it might feel stressful, that hopefully if you're doing it correctly, you will see all of the fruits of your labor coming back in once they're beautiful and ready to list and people are booking them nonstop. Totally. That's the goal. Finding the right contractor because this is a, this is a, tough thing and it it you won't always get it right and it's one of those things i think no matter what if you keep doing these and you do this enough you're always going to go through a few different contractors for various reasons and um yeah it's just something that's like a never ending thing but you can always refine it and get better and better and better at your process right so we are not experts uh, i think we always give that caveat when we are doing the podcast we are not the sole expert on hiring a contractor however we have done a few projects before and now even with this cod these cottages this is the biggest project we've ever done so We've had to hire a few contractors in our time. And this particular experience with the scope and the scale of renovating four units, um, you know, we did not want to rush into it. I mean, we hit the ground running as soon as we got back to North Carolina and we closed on these properties. We literally started, even before we closed, we were reaching out to contractors and letting them know that we had this project coming up. And then when we got to North Carolina, we pretty much just said, hey, come on over, look at them, give us quotes, and let's get this started. So even before we closed, we were thinking of that and reaching out. And then um, we had, I think, three different contractors, I believe it was, give yep. us quotes for the renovation of, we started with just one cottage, not really the whole project, but of course the promise that if the first one goes well, you know, there's three others. So there's continued work for that person, which is big incentive for contractors. Obviously they always want to have consistent work. And, and um, just like you as the, as the owner or the person hiring, like if you enjoy working with those people, you're, you want to keep, you want to keep working with them. The contractor wants that too. And it's way easier for the contractor to work on that project and stay on that project than it is to go find more work, right? Same as for you, you don't want to have to go find another contractor. Right. So uh, yeah. Mutually beneficial. For so sure. What we did was we had them give us quotes and we asked for references because some of them we had never heard of before and nobody else around us had used them before. So we just wanted to make sure that they had done good quality work and that the people were happy with them. And uh, for me personally, working on a daily basis with these contractors, you know, I want to make sure that their character is good and that they're nice people to be around and to work with. So that's also um important for me, maybe not for everyone, but we, we did that. We did our homework, even though we got the references, we actually called the references. So we checked them. And then it's really, really important. This next one, uh, is to have a contract. So depending on how you work things out, um, just make sure that you have something in writing and that you both sign it that way you have like a legal <laughs> system there, um, that can help you if something goes awry. Yeah. And for both people, Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends how you're going to do it. If you're going to pay people up front, uh, the contractors more up front, you know, you 
you know, or if they're going to backload it and you pay them when they finish, like they want a contract too, because they could finish and you could say, see you later. Right. So, um, definitely get a contract. This is something I, in the past, haven't always been great with because, you know, it seems like, ah, whatever, I trust this person or, you know, this extra step, but uh, we've learned both, both with short-term rentals and then also other businesses that we've run that it's just better for both people and it doesn't have to be fancy. No. It doesn't have to be drawn up by a lawyer. You can have it drawn up by a lawyer or something, but usually it's something that is that they give you a quote and it's scope of work and it's when, you know, the time frame for when people are getting paid and what's, ex- you know, very clearly, as Heather said, what's expected and who's paying for this, who's paying for materials, you know, what materials are included, what aren't. That's a, that's enough, right? That usually it's going to hold both parties um, tight to that. Yeah. And then you have to really be firm with them. Um, and you have to follow up a lot because contractors, I think, are a little bit notorious for, you know, not, not necessarily dropping the ball, but they need they need that follow up and they need most that I've ever worked with. You know, you don't want them to take advantage of you, your time, your money. So it's kind of like with teaching or being a parent, you don't want, you got to be firm in the beginning so they don't walk all over you while still kind of being, you know, nice and kind, of course. So I think it's hard depending on personality. Like when Trav started teaching, he was like, I just want everybody to like me. You remember that? (laughs) I remember that. That's one reason I am not a high school teacher anymore. So you just have to, be firm and just make sure that everybody's respecting everybody's time and also managing everyone's expectations because that's important with any project management out there. So that's something that we've learned is really necessary um, when when going through this process. Yeah, another thing that you want to consider is how hands-on you want to be. Um, do you want to, you know, A, is, is the is the property around that you can be hands-on? Like, can you be on site? Can you not be on site? Some of you are going to buy properties that are remote. So you can't be on site. So you have to decide how hands-on you're going to be and what that looks like. Um, if you are going to, if it's a big project, if you're going to be the general contractor and hiring different subcontractors out, meaning, okay, I'm going to find the plumber, I'm going to find the electrician, I'm going to find the flooring guy, or are you going to go with a company that that has it all under one roof or you hire a general contractor whose then job is supposed to be that they are the ones bringing the plumbers and, and you know, the electricians or anything that they're not doing. Um, just think about that. We, we, with these cottages did a little bit of a hybrid. We did have a general contractor. Heather was way more hands-on than I think we thought she was going to be in the beginning. Um, am I right about that, Heather? Um, to an extent. Or did you think that would be how hands-on I you mean, had to be? I thought I would be that hands-on just because I am a perfectionist and I'm also a little bit of a control freak. So I want to make sure that everything's going according to schedule and also with the design plan that I had in mind since I was the one also designing it. So I knew I'd have to work pretty closely with these contractors and I was okay with that. However, there were a lot of organizational issues um, that we have to deal with with our contractor if we use him moving forward. And in this case, you know, something to think about, this contractor was like, well, sometimes I'll buy the supplies and sometimes you'll buy the supplies and, you know, we'll just work it out when it comes. But then he would tell us like on a Saturday morning at three o'clock or Saturday afternoon at three o'clock that he needs us to run to Home Depot, but we're in the middle of something, you know, so there were just little things like that. Um, which again, you can talk about that in your contract and see if that's something that you really want to be doing. Most people, I don't think that is the case. Usually the contractor handles all of that, but yeah, I mean, if you need screws, I think you should be able to go buy screws. (laughs) So 
Anyway, that just comes with staying on top of work, following up, checking in if it's going on site or virtually if you are not in close proximity. Yeah. And the last thing we want to mention is when you are renovating, uh, one of the benefits that we mentioned of renovating is that, and this is the, uh, you know, this is the yay part of renovating is that you can make it how you want it to be. And so you can think everything we've talked about, right, is how to go from middle of the road or instead of being middle of the road to being magical. And you want to add those elements that pop and you want to have those things that other listings don't have. So you can build these in. So you You've done a little bit of this at at the first cottage that right now is completely renovated. So just talk about what a few of those little things were. Yeah, well, in the cottage that we just finished up, I knew that, you know, it's a very small space, 350 square feet. The old bathroom was also small with a slanted ceiling and it had a dividing wall and it was really funky. And it was actually Trav's idea to just make it a huge shower, like a wet room. And so then when designing it, I was like, okay, I want this to feel like a spa. I want this tiny cottage to have this beautiful spa-like bathroom. And so I think that's kind of one of the defining characteristics of that cottage is that, you know, it's a couple's retreat. So there's a huge all tiled shower um, with a big bench and I put plants in there. So it just feels like this little oasis, like if you are at a spa. So, you know, we were really intentional with that just one example, but we put in a, a big sliding glass door. So right. it used to not have a lot of light in it. So we, we knocked out a wall and put a huge uh, a wall in a window, put a huge sliding glass door. We put swing chairs on the porch before there were rocking chairs, swing chairs, a little more modern. So we did that. We made a built in bench. Um, around the table that serves as storage because there's not much storage there. That's something we could do when we ripped the whole, basically the thing down <laughs> right. to the studs, we could build a bench in there. So, right. And in another cottage that we're going to be hopefully starting soon, you know, Trav's like, well, maybe we could put a, the bedroom as a loft please, in here. Please, please, right? please, so, please, please. Yeah, it is exciting when you're doing these extensive renovations because then you can think of all these cool things that you could add. And since you're starting from the bottom, you know, you don't have to be like, oh, well, this is already here and looking nice. Now let's spend all this money to make a lofted bed. Whereas here it's like, well, it's not nice. It's down to the studs. So let's create something really cool because that's what we can do. So that part of it is really fun and exciting. And hopefully you don't get too stressed out about managing um, and spending money with the contractors and, you know, just kind of figure out if that's something you enjoy doing or it's not something Trav enjoys doing and he gets overwhelmed and he gets anxious. Whereas I do enjoy doing it. I enjoy Um, renovating spaces, but not being the one who's the day to day, but there are plenty of people out there like our, my buddy Josh, who doesn't want to renovate spaces. So he buys stuff turnkey that's yeah. already furnished. And it's like, honestly, the day he signs a contract is the day he can basically start making money with that listing, right. which maybe uh, is a smarter way. It's just a different well, way. Different. It just depends what you want. Exactly. It's not necessarily smarter, but it works for him. And he obviously doesn't enjoy the creative parts of it. Um, so maybe if you weren't married to somebody who liked to design Right. You, you might not want again, to do this. It's your strengths yeah. and weaknesses and what you want to create. So uh, just think about that when you guys are thinking about renovations. Mm-hmm. Our next episode is going to be the biggest lessons that we learned. And like we said, uh, we'll be putting this out on Instagram. So be aware of that. Um, it may have already gone out, depending on when this episode airs, um, as the, the ask us anything. So any of the questions that you've had that we haven't touched on when it comes to short-term renters, rentals, please, please, please let us know um, because we want to do at least an episode, maybe a few on answering your questions and, and, and diving deep into specifics that you have 
um, that's super fun for us and it allows us to fill in any of the gaps that we may have missed. Also, um, don't forget if you're someone who is interested in getting in the short-term rental game um, and you want it to be, you want someone to to help you and consult you and coach you through that, um, all the way from finding the right property all the way through until staging it and getting it listed. We are doing that uh, for a very select number of people. And you can fill out that application over at strlifestyle.com. If you tried to go to that before and it wasn't working, sorry, there was some weird malware attack that said like, this is a dangerous website. It's really just a <laughs> Google form application. So we've got that fixed. Um, and thank you for all of you who have submitted applications. Uh, looking forward to working with some of you. So you can go to strlifestyle.com um, if you want really a boutique hands-on like by that, I mean, we will be hands on helping you get your short term rental up and going. Um, let us know. Uh, you can fill that out, strlifestyle.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Heth, great job. You're the renovations queen. <laughs> oh, so thank you, guys. Wow, thank you. And until next time, we don't have anything to say. <laughs> well, we always have a lot to say, but we don't have a closer. Not yet. Lightning struck in an open plane. And we forgot this old city's name See your breath on window pane Let's just talk till it strikes again On my way through I saw you on my way On my way through I saw you And I'll see you again Someday